Listen, Dad, are mobile suits more important to you than human beings? <sighs> it almost looks like this mobile suit is shaking in terror. It's a mobile suit! Amaro, is that you inside that mobile suit? Let's just see. Let's test the reaction time of your brand new mobile suit. You alone are responsible for the mobile suit now. Is that understood? These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's Matt. Tomorrow Ray. I don't have to run days. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Amaro Ray Mobile suit In war, to keep the upper hand, you have to think two or three moves ahead of the enemy Hey guys, welcome back to another core fighter horrific gun tank tastic episode of Fan Holes, Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey guys, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your white base crew tonight, but I am not alone. I am joined by three, count them, three. I wish we had three guffs or goofs, but we've got three, count them, three of my fellow fan holes on the call tonight. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike and Kozun. Get me pictures of Gundam Man. Hey, this is Justin. Hey, guys, it's Tony. And, ah, I like you more now. You have a gun. Yeah, so we're here to talk about episode 17, Amaro Desserts. And this isn't a fun-filled episode about Amaro eating pastries or ice cream is about Amaro leaving the white base spoilers this is like this is like the first cat's dies you know Amaro desserts <laughs> right like it's like it's like telling you what's gonna what happen hap before, before the end of the episode song? yeah yeah it's like yes old 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 lady who came out of the English patient like hopefully she figures it out right the Japanese air date was July 28th 1979. The English air date was August 13th, 2001. And this I, I found interesting because I've been cataloging it this whole time. This is the first episode it abandons any real intro that brings the audience up to speed. Like it's just got Amuro, Ryu, and Job John, and they're practicing having the core fighter connect with the Gundam while it's deployed from the Gun Parry. This is like an aerial transport vehicle, so they drop you know, the legs of the Gundam and the core fighter connects and then they drop the, the body of the Gundam and, and it all syncs up and everything. And there is like a little brief narration about the crew continuing to cross Central Asia and how the fighting has not let up since White Base left Side 7. And so then you've got the title card, Amaro Desserts. And then... We've got this hip-as-fuck guitar beat that's rolling as Whiteface slowly moves across the screen like the opening Star Destroyer from Star Wars.
You're really into this, aren't you? What are you doing? And Amuro is intently making battle calculations on the bridge computer. When Kai asks Amuro what he's up to, Amuro explains that using the data from the captured Zaku, he can interrogate the information on its capabilities to create new algorithms to combat the Xeon forces. When Kai mentions that won't help with the new goof mobile suits, Amuro tells him he's increased the Zaku's performance in the simulator by 20% to account for the difference. Kai then relieves Mirai from her navigation shift, and Mirai reminds Amuro to get some rest. Mirai enters the room where Bright and others are interrogating Kozun, and Kozun stares at Mirai in disbelief. Bright explains that Kozun believes they're all too young to be running Whiteface. Kozun refuses to reveal any information on Rambaral, Makuve, or his mines. Amuro comes upon Kika in a flooded room. When walking down the hall, Amuro is about to enter to assist, but hesitates when he bumps into Mirai's bra hanging from a clothesline. Although Mirai is in a state of undress, when Kika explains that the tap is broken and flooding, Mirai asks Amuro to stay and help fix the overflowing water tap. Amuro recovers the handle that fell inside the sink and twists it, stopping the overflow. Amuro, still blushing, advises this is only a temporary fix and maintenance will need to fix the sink properly. Yeah, so let's let's take a pause and I, I guess I'll just throw out here that in the movie dub, it's interesting because Kai seems a little more, I don't know, in the know. He seems like less like, hey, what's going on? Like, what the hell are you doing? And and he's more like, how's your analysis coming along? Like, versus what are you up to, buddy? You know, like, so it seems like Kai, I don't know. I don't know. He that that he he either he's just he's just more aware of of what's going on or, or he's not completely ignorant of what's going on. And I did love that uh, while Kozun in in most of the TV episodes whether it's the Japanese or the English dub he is obviously like shocked but but because the movie dub like kind of he 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 gets to talk to Sela in the the brig and he's kind of like oh you're kind of cute and then that kind of follows immediately into his interrogation so i think carrying over from that like Kozun's just kind of like man another hot chick like what's going on here you know like so so I thought that was funny too because he's like he thinks it's a ship full of like he's like he and he doesn't think it's the white base he thinks it's the fucking love boat or something where he's gonna like find true love or something on white base or whatever so like that I thought was kind of funny he's like looks like the federation just got a whole lot sexier <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, can you imagine? Like, I mean, he saw Sela, he saw Mirai. Like, like I imagine his his loins would explode if he saw Frau Bo at any point <laughs> during during this uh, during this interrogation. I I just like the interrogation, like <laughs> like because they're like you know they're obviously amateurs, but it's like you know Bright's kind of like you better talk, like we can make this lamp pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. What do you guys think of the whole like? Uh, I I mean I don't I don't even think I'd refer to it as this, but like I'm I'm sure some people might like the the I guess it's the the 
the Mirai fan service moment or whatever. Like, I mean, I just kind of tend to think of it as real robot like shenanigans. It's like, yeah, well, people are going to go back to their room and take a fucking shower. And yes, they're going to come out of the bathroom naked. I mean, it's kind of like, duh, right? Like, like it's just normal. But I, I, I guess the fact that like Amaro is blushing and that sequence follows the interrogation where Kozen's like, oh, it's a bunch of fucking kids on this ship. Like Amaro being boyish, you know, kind of like, what's a bra? I can't walk into this room. You know, like that, that whole aspect, like kind of to me confirms that what Kozun is saying is there's, there is some partial truth to that. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on uh, either the the bra hanging up on the clothesline or the the nightgown. Like I was kind of wondering to myself, like like what is is Mirai about to go out for a night on the town? You know, like go go to the dancing club that's on white base or something. Like it's funny because none of them wear dresses, but she's got this like you know nice nightgown hanging on the the clothesline too. Well, I, I think it's kind of like there was a scene in Robotech, quote unquote Macross, where you know, Lynn Minmay, like it was added to the the uh, collected box edition where she's showering naked. Oddly enough, she has no nipples, which is odd, but I, I guess that is appropriate because she was underage. <laughs> and also Dana Sterling in the Robotech Generations series in the same collected box set. And I, I think it was more or less kind of maybe intended to show a kind of a Starship Troopers attitude towards co-ed you know, like bathrooms mm. where like mm. we just all just yeah, we just all we just all shower together. Who cares? Fuck it. We don't we don't care. Like I'm not gonna go have sex with you. You you see my titties. I'm not fucking you, dude. You know, you're not fucking me. Like we're 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 cool. We we're coworkers. This is the quickest way to get showered off after we just almost got killed. So that's what we, I that's what I saw it as. Yeah. No, I mean I, I, I guess that I can I can see that sort of. I mean I guess eventually they get to that point. But there is that moment where, I mean, even as Amaro's leaving, there's that moment of him still, like, rosy red cheeks, like, ooh, I saw some titty, you know, type thing. And, and like, that's that's interesting to me because, you know, there's... Think of it, like, what if... What if Amaro ran into, like, some, you know, I don't know, Haman, and and Haman showed her titties to him. Do you know what I mean? Like like that. It's like it's like yeah. that's that that's one of those things where it's like that kind of stuff probably would get you killed. So I think what you're saying is more, you know, less emotionally driven and more logic based. It's like it's just a body part. Like you know, get used to it. Like you know, you still have to be a well trained soldier to to live through this and and that kind of stuff you know i i could just see it to be where something like that could easily get you killed if you're not you know if you don't have your head screwed on straight for for what you need to get done in the middle of a battle well yeah well amara is still young too and like you know like that that image you know to him is like you know it's like whoa that's not appropriate and and like you know, she may not just, she may not even care, really. I mean, she might, but probably not. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it's more on Amaro that he, he is embarrassed. It's like, you know, it's like, it's kind of a male reaction. Like, if, if you are talking to a female who you are familiar with, but you're not dating, 
and she just suddenly whips off her top and shows you her breast, you would probably you would probably blush and be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> like. You know, he, he he's 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 not a military person. He's not been in this military life. At this point, he's you know acclimating to it, but he doesn't understand that this is this is just how we do. This is what we do. You know. I don't know. I think like this scene and the final few moments are bookends for this whole episode because they go hand in hand. But I guess we'll get to that later. Oh man, another hot one. Our prisoner doesn't believe I'm in command here. He thinks we're all too young to be in the military. So elsewhere in the Central Asian desert, we find Crowley Haman Rambaral and his right-hand man, took me a while to find his name, Clamp, are examining a recently repaired Zaku 2. Haman is curious why Rawl accepted this mission, and he tells her that while they have no love for the Zabi family, the two-rank promotion will not only elevate him, but also his men and even Haman herself. Haman tells Rawl she believes in him. So here, the I guess in the movie, the movie two, the the leaking water faucet scene and the scene with the the Xeon, you know, looking over the repaired Zaku 2, those are actually swapped. So you get to see this scene first. And I just wanted to bring up, because I, I think I finally noticed this, and I don't know if we talked about this in the past or not, but um, I just noticed it now, so I wrote it down in one of my notes. But the, the VA for Haman is Lenore Zahn, and we probably know her best as being rogue in X-Men, but she was also, you know, Tigra and and Asia Clan Clan on Outlaw Star. So like that I, I just thought I'd bring that up because I was like, oh yeah, that's I was like, is that? And then I looked it up and I was like, it is. It's it's the same person who is like, hey, you know, Shaggy. I, I I was gonna ask about that because I thought so, because she sounds just like Rogue. But I was I was also like, was she part of the ocean group? Like, I thought she was part of a different like sort of you know, studio or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know how that goes down. But when I when I looked it up, I mean, I'm just basing it on the IMDb listing. But when I looked up Lenore Zahn on IMDb, like that was she she's listed as being in six episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam. And then and then I was like looking around at her other stuff and it was. It was Asia Clan Clan, which that would seem to fit, right? Because Out, Outlaw Star is probably some kind of ocean group type thing, I guess. But then it was Cartoon you know, Network. Yeah, and you and you see no, but the, like you know, I, I think that that was a different studio because Wendy Lee is in Outlaw Star, and she's hmm. like one of the LA studios. So hmm. okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I yeah, I don't know how that works then, but but I mean, it, it could be it could be a misprint, but on IMDb, but I doubt it. I mean, it's like maybe there's some explanation, like maybe they, you know, they flew in or did some work in L.A. and did work in, in Canada. I don't know. But interesting. I did want to ask about that because I was like, well, that's definitely Rogue's voice. So I was like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Like, I, I think most of the, like Brad Swale and all these guys, I mean, they're all Canadian, right? Yeah, they are. But like like I said, I think like this, the studio – like Lenore's on, like you know, if you you think about like you know the other shows she's done, like X Men and yeah, like, like Avengers and all that, like that's a different studio than Ocean Group. So, 
yeah, a different like voice acting like company or something. Well, but you you don't have to only work at one. It's not like she was restricted to work at the one place. Yeah, and there, there. I think, I think, I think everything in that list is is Canada based, except for maybe what you're saying is maybe except for Outlaw Star. But for all you know, Wendy Lee flew up to Canada, or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? I mean that's back when um, what's his face when um. Stephen Bloom was was going by a pseudonym and doing a bunch of stuff. So you know who knows. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure depending on like the uh, property, where it's like, you know, whether it's like a more American based, like you know, cartoon quote unquote, or if it's an anime, like you have a block of people who are just going to do the fucking voices. That that's why you have like some people who just like Tara Strong and all that who just show up in all these shows and and that's just how it works. And then, you know, like with anime, you have people who show up all the time that you are also familiar with. So I I, I think this like, you know, the voice acting community, like they they were very like not segmented, but it's like, you know, like America shows, dubs, maybe, but like, you know, also anime dubs. We might want this cast, you know, so. Well, I just looked up her Wikipedia just for giggles, and they talk about how she lived in many major cities, including Toronto and Los Angeles. So uh, and and that she also okay. lived in New York, New York City and Vancouver and London and Stockholm. So, you know, maybe maybe she was just in L.A. at the time when she was doing the you know, the, the VA work for Outlaw Star, but for the other stuff, she was doing it from Canada and doing it for different, you know, different studios. Fair enough, yeah. I know she's like, isn't she like a councilwoman or yeah, something? Yeah, they, she's they, some, yeah, yeah, she's something. She's, she's a political figure now, yeah. Because I know they were saying, oh, like, she's not going to be in, she's not going to be in that X-Men 97 revival because she's, you know, she's got a real job, like, basically mm. now, so. Interesting. Tell me, dear, I'm curious to know, why did you accept this mission? You don't approve? No. Lighten up on the speech, sugar. So back on the white base, Jop John and Omar Fang have thrown Kazoon back into the brig. Since a proper body search wasn't performed, Kozun is able to rig a small explosive from a gold tooth and wire in his pants to blow the lock. When Kozun comes across Sela in the brig, upon his escape, he believes that she too is a Zeon. However, Sela cries out that the prisoner is escaping and making a run for it as he flees. Kozun must flee. Another hot one. I don't know. You guys have any thoughts about the <laughs> yeah, escape? He, he does have the Hanna-Barbera run down the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> I must flee. <laughs> he literally sees Sayla. He's like, the Federation girl, I must flee. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, like, you know, technically he's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if he knows Sayla, but, you know, he's like. Well, well yeah. I've always thought about, like, that scene is like, you know, I mean, Sayla was probably doing the best she could, but maybe she could have, like, waited until he, like, let her out before she, like, started screaming or whatever. Maybe, you know, mm. let her, let, let him let her out and, you know, worked her feminine wiles on him. And then when his back was turned, like, bashed him in the back of the head or something. But, mm. you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she was doing, I'm sure she was doing the best she could. Like. She, she's doing her Deanna Troy best. She really is. 
And I mean, yeah, he was, you know, he like like Derek, you said, like Kozun's on a ship full of pretty girls. So he's like, hey, you want to come with me? Like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> it's like uh, Kozun's dick got him into trouble again. I like how you said again. <laughs> Bring him in and give Sailor a blaster for her protection. And don't be afraid to use it. <laughs> So Bright, Mirai, Marker Clan, and the others are busy on the bridge, fending off an incoming missile attack. And once they've determined the origin of the base, Bright orders Amuro to launch in Gundam. Amuro and Hayato instead launch in Gun Tank, and Ryu tells Bright that the prisoner has escaped. Sela gets let out of the brig to go after the prisoner and follows Kozun, who is making communications to Rambaral about the strength and mobile suits on the white base from communications room number two. Bright then has the master comm circuit cut off to stop the transmission. Sela and Kozun fight over Sela's pistol, and when it is knocked from her hands, he makes another run for it. Meanwhile, Amuro and Hayato attack the Xeon base in gun tank. Amuro questions Bright's tactics and remarks that it's not always best to send the Gundam out every single time. Ramba Rawls Gallop, aka Garma's Revenge Unit, is on its way. Amuro believes that they will soon take down the enemy base. Meanwhile, Rawl, on his way, whispers, Kozun, you just gotta get out of there in one piece. Uh, the only note I have for the movie dub that I thought was funny was when they give Sela a pistol to go after Kozun. I think, you know, Bright in his, uh, you know, wonderful English accents, like, give Sela a blaster, you know, like it's fucking Star Wars or some shit or whatever. So I thought that was kind of funny. A blaster. Yeah. Bla- blaster is a less violent word than gun. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's how that works. I guess it could be like the Spider-Man like animated show, like where all the cops have lasers, standard issue police lasers. Sela can just like you know slam into Kozun with her butt and take him out. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So then after that, we come to the commercial break. You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. You are about to see. You are about to see. Because you demanded it. It's Treasury Cast, a podcast devoted to the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition. DC, Marvel, Archie, IDW, and more, bigger than life. It's the Treasury Cast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on fireandwaterpodcast.com. And then we're back from the commercial break, and Kika, Let's, and Katz send Haro to trip up Kozun as he flees White Base. Sela pursues to hatch 18, while Bright and the bridge crew are alerted to the gallop coming to attack them. Ryu and Kai launch in Core Fighter and Gun Cannon. 
Rawl kisses Haman goodbye before leaving in his goof and asks her to rescue Kozum if possible. Accompanied by soldiers Gien and Stitch in the Zaku 2s, Rawl launches into battle. The gun tank takes out the newly deployed Zeon Dops, but Rawl begins attacking the gun tank before Amuro can change out to Gundam. Gun tank retreats because it's a useless piece of fucking shit, and gun cannon is called in for backup. The white base exchanges fire with the gallop while Kozun tries to escape via jetpack. He seals the airlock hatch behind them. When Sela can't get through the locked hatch with gunfire, or blaster fire, I guess, depending on the version you're watching, Omar comes up with a bazooka and blows away not only the hatch door, but Kozun himself. So, that's that's the end of Kozun. Another hot one. feel guilty. He was just unlucky. It could happen to us. Yeah. Awful way to go. Yeah, awful. But what's the good way? I'd like to sign up. I know what you mean. I always thought that was a kind of not like graphic death, but like I like and I, I'm pretty sure like on, they showed it like with no edits on Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. but just kind of like a you know, it's 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 the implications of it are graphic, I guess. Like your imagination does like the work. Like cause you, you kind of see his like w- whatever's remaining of him like fly off into the ground or whatever. So, you know, it's kind of and it like you know wh- who's who's the dude who killed him with the bazooka? Um, Omar. The, the, Omar. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, and because I knew he had a name, and like you know, it's kind of you know he's kind of all like you know taken aback by it, like a young yeah, man. Yeah. Like I didn't mean to like kill him. Like so. Yeah, it's, it's like I always thought that was they... a stand. Sorry, I was just gonna say I thought that was a like standout moment. Yeah, I mean it's it's a major moment. It, it's interesting. Like it, it's weird to me because this is kind of pieced together. Like I, I started it with the. The, the I guess what I'd call like the Ewok bullshit with Kika Letts and Cats and they're sending Haro to trip up Kozun and like it starts with like Pratt falls and Kozun's eyeballs coming out of their sockets when he fucking falls because he trips over Haro but like then it ends with something that's like very visceral and real and he gets blown the fuck up basically and like plummets i mean he basically gets like the realistic team rocket send-off do you know what i mean it's like it's like kozun and kozun's wild dick are blasting off again you know and he's he's gone right but i mean i'm trying to make fun of it but it's i mean it's a serious you know moment in the show and no matter what version it is like they react to it in very interesting ways where you know like they they basically say you know, like Salet says to Omar, like, don't feel guilty. He was just unlucky in the the ocean group dub. In the Japanese language, it's translated as don't feel guilty because it could be us next time. And in the movie dub, Omar says, wow, what an awful way to go. And Sela says, yeah, but what's the good way to go? 
Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 basically, if you die, you die. Like, there's no good way to die, right? Because you're fucking dead. So, like, all those are pretty, you know, it, it, whatever version, it's all pretty much a, a heavy, heavy moment on the series. I, I do think it's kind of funny, though, that whatever you think about Rambo Rawl, whether he's a badass or he's just competent, either way, like, he's, he's pretty good at, like, you know, avoiding death most of the time. I mean, you know, he's a competent soldier, but a lot of his dudes are fucking stupid or they're fucking unlucky or fucking unlucky as shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, it, I, I, I don't know that, that Kozun was necessarily stupid, but but he certainly did. He, his luck certainly had run out. Yeah, yeah. It's like it seems to be a mix of the two. It's like either they're dumb or they just they 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 made a choice and it didn't work out for them. And, and, and I can understand that in real life, you know, like being like someone who's trying to manage people, because sometimes people are really good. And shit don't work out for him. And sometimes, like, they're just unlucky as fuck. And it's like, I've been unlucky, you know, sometimes. And I was like, I kind of feel that. It's, like, not a hatred thing. But I was like, Kozu, like, he just picked the wrong door. And then, like, that's that's not your fault. You got unlucky. But a lot of Rambaral soldiers, like, they got too eager or they did some stuff. And, like, you know, again, we've seen this in the past. We'll see it in the future. But he's got to clean up the mess. That's why I like Ronba. Is because he's like based. He's pretty stoic. He just can't seem to get the the best team to, together to like fight the white man. I can't help but think that if this if this had aired on a more heavily like censored network or something like they Cozen's death would be like you know oh what happened to him it's okay like I can see his parachute like he's all right like you know mm. or they'd like paint well, in a parachute yeah before something, something like that. I mean I I, I think everybody's unlucky is somebody else's lucky though too right i mean i mean the the fact that kozun was unlucky means that omar was i mean for all we know the the you know the way they described the white base crew as young and inexperienced like for all we know omar could have you know unloaded the bazooka in such a way that it blew up him and sela instead of you know kozun but it just so happened that it all sort of you know, worked out that, that did, they didn't. They didn't did get shoot hurt. It. He did shoot it uncomfortably close to that door. Like yeah. uh, I was like, man, yeah. stand back a little, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's that aspect to to that moment where you know, there. I guess I guess they were the lucky ones, essentially. I I, I guess I want to ask too. Like, I mean, I feel like I feel like that meme with the guy sitting at the table, and I'm like. Gun tank is useless. Change my mind, you know, like because and and I mean I guess it's useless. It's useful for what Amaro is saying. It's useful for a stationary target, right? This base that, that you know is just shooting missiles like it's stationary. Then yeah, fine, gun tank. Like go ahead and use gun tank. But like I don't know. I I just feel like vindication because all the quotes are like gun tank is useless against moving opponents, and I'm kind of like ouch like that just i don't know i don't know does anybody have anything to say in defense of gun tank because i think gun tank is stupid but like i think it's stupid visually and i think it's stupid that it, like once an actual enemy shows up that moves it's like okay like let's put it back in the toy toy chest now because it's not it's not going to help you very much 
Well, uh, I would Gun say... Tank has a scene. Gun Tank has a scene like way later on in the series that'll probably exemplify its its uselessness. But like, it, we won't get to it for a long time. But like, I, I can see Amaro's logic that like you know bombarding a base that can't like you know dodge out of the way is probably Gun Tank's forte. But yeah, as soon as like. You know, we probably should have seen that as soon as some kind of mobile enemies showed up, like, you know, they would have been screwed. So I would say gun tank, like logically would be a great anti-aircraft mobile suit, like, you know, destroyer, especially with like frontline mobile suits. It was kind of used that way in OAF MS team. It did get killed really hard by, guess what? A newer goof. But like I think the gun tank has a role to play, and it's kind of the red shirt in Star War, uh, Star Trek. You know, it's like it's the it's the guy who beams down, and it's slower, and it's going to get killed, so the main character can have some flash. So as far as its necessity, I can see it, but also they 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 usually just kind of. Replace it with, like, you know, basically, you know, more standard Gundam mobile suits that were just, like, you know, not the gun cannon, but just random Gundam mobile suits that were, like, mass-produced that weren't the star of the series. So, I think the gun tank filled its purpose for a year or two, got brought back, got a little bit of shine, then got killed. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. I have to I have to give you that. You 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 pretty much nailed it. Haito, we're heading back. Gun tank is useless. Gun tank is useless. Gun tank is useless. So Sela apologizes to Amaro before he launches out in Gundam. And Sela also advises that Kozun was killed in action. Meanwhile, the goof has latched on to the gun cannon with its electric tendril, which I think Tony has informed us is called the heat rod for whatever reason, which puts Kai in great jeopardy. Amuro then launches in Gundam and fires beam cannon at the heat cannon, severing it from the gun cannon. However, Amuro's algorithms prove ineffective as the goof dodges all his direct shots. The white base fires on the goof, blasting it away and messing with its body joints, so Rambaral is forced to fall back with his men to the gallop. Later, Wright chews out Amuro on the bridge for not following orders or respecting the chain of command. After the failure of his original calculations, Amuro plans to start over from scratch, but falls asleep at the console. Amuro awakens to overhear Mirai and Bright discussing removing him as pilot of the Gundam. Bright and Mirai see the awakened Amuro standing before them and realize that they've been overheard. Amuro runs away with tears in his eyes, and Mirai tries to go after him, but Bright stops her, saying that explanations are no longer necessary. So we finally got to the Amuro desserts part of this episode, titled Amuro Desserts. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's, well, he's almost, he almost on his way yeah. out, right? He's almost on his way yeah. out. I do have notes for the movie dub. The movie, too, like, 
skips a lot of the actual battle between the Gundam and the Goof, ironically. You'd think it would focus on the action stuff, but actually it's just Ryu and Gundam, and it's like they're pulling up the gun tank, and then it cuts immediately to Amuro doing his calculations and yawning and falling asleep and all that stuff. And in the movie, too, since they've already introduced that concept of a new type with Miss Matilda and Bright, now Mirai and Bright are discussing it during that sequence. Like, you know, you know how Mirai's saying, Oh, I think it's he's a special boy in in the the movie. It's it's more like, you know, Bright's like, So you believe Omero's a new type, eh? You know, like like that whole kind of conversation comes up. So that is the new type stuff is sprinkled into their conversation there. And I I, I do think it's kind of funny because y- y- you know how like in the, the regular, you know, I guess whether it's the ocean dub or the Japanese, like Bright comes up and is like, oh, so you overheard us. And then that's when Amuro like, you know, loses it and runs away or whatever. But, like, it's funny, he's more a- accusatory in the, the movie, where he's like, you were spying on us, eh? You know, like, like, and it's like, and then Amuro's just kind of like, uh, 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 like, like, you think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Like, Amuro's literally like, I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, you know, and then he runs away with the tears or whatever, so, anyway. <laughs> Bright should have been like, get Omar to shoot him with a bazooka before he can deserve it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, at this point, like, like I, <laughs> it's like Omar's like, I have a taste for blood now. Like, I'll get him. <laughs> uh, we might not have salt, but we've got plenty of bazooka rockets. I mean, I I enjoyed the 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 action sequence in this, and I liked the the follow-up and everything, you know, that he just happens to be there and overhears it and everything. So, I mean, that, that I don't know, like all that stuff seems to line up for me. I don't know how you guys felt about either the, you know, the, the, the climax of the action or, or, or what, you know, do you think Bright's too hard on Amuro? Do you think Bright's justified at this point? Like with what he knows and what he's seen and the fact that, you know, Amaro keeps challenging his authority. Like, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Shouldn't Bright know better at this point? I mean, I, I, I feel like they're both at fault here. Like, this wouldn't have happened if Bright was more flexible. Like, he, like he, at this point in the series, Bright should know how Amaro is. He should know how to talk to him and treat him with kid gloves. I mean, I know... Bright is a military officer and he's used to doing things a certain way and he's also experienced, but you know, they've been at this for a while now. He should know how to deal with Amuro. And if Amuro wasn't uh, you know, immature blushing teenager that we saw at the beginning of this episode, like he could have dealt with this a better way. Like he wouldn't have like ran away in tears and been like, You don't want me? Well, I'm gonna run away from home. Yeah. Like I like they're both at fault. Like they should both know better. Like that's how I feel about that. Mm. I, you know, it's funny. Like I, I've always felt like, you know, like th- they talk about how Tomino, not, not that Amaro is necessarily a self insert, but like aspects of Amaro's personality are a bit of self insert for Tomino. And like, 
It reminds me of, you know, when, when he, you know, th there's always that, you know, Char's counterattack line, you know, that he, he, he says, you know, the, the intellectuals like get disgusted with the politics because they know it's all rigged and they, they become, you know, uh, insulated and, 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 you know, paranoid and don't want to deal with any of that stuff. And like, I, I, I maybe I feel like, you know, and this is just me like sharing personal experience, but I, I feel like this is like, a, I don't know, a baby version of that where like I remember like basically I, I know I've shared moments of my personal life where I felt like I was the man and I did like some really cool thing or great thing. But there are also moments where I felt like this, like where you don't feel like the man, where you feel completely and utterly insecure because you see you see people unfiltered talking about you in such a way where, you know, they, they don't like you. They don't respect you. They're completely blatant about it. And, and, and you don't, you don't have any adult response to that. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, I've, I, I feel like I've been in situations like that. I mean, they were, I don't know, by this point it's, it's, it's 20 years ago or, or, you know, 20, five years ago, you know, like I'm fucking old, but you know, like I'm, I'm thinking of moments like that where it was like a long ass time ago, but I still, I still remember the, the way you felt about it in your heart and, 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 and like you get the butterflies about it and you feel like, like, what the fuck? Like what, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like you, you don't know what to do. So I think it, I don't know, this is me trying to turn it around back into like a, I don't know, like a real robot science version of it. But it's like when you're confronted with that, you get the fight or flight re reflex. And Amuro is just like, OK, I'm I'm fleeing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't I can't fight this. I can't you know, he can't articulate why he thinks Bright's a duty head for doing it. Or he can't see what you're talking about, Justin, that that maybe, you know, that they should both be more flexible and come to a compromise like he, he can't he can't see any of that or just, you know, who knows, maybe in, in the real world, some, somebody in a situation like that would just have to eat a shit sandwich. You know what I mean? One, one person or the other would have to eat a shit sandwich and live with it. But in this case, like for dramatic purposes, it, it turns into a fight or flight reflex and Amuro decides, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. The only, the only thing that I think is funny about the whole thing, and, and I know we haven't gotten that far yet, but I'm just going to spoil it is, Amuro takes the Gundam. Do you know what I mean? Like, it'd be one thing if he's like, okay, nobody wants me, and and I am uh, I feel bad for myself, and I'm, you know, this self-absorbed person or whatever, right? And I'm, I'm Audi 5000. And, like, it, it, you know what it would be like? It'd be like, it'd be like if we all went to Heroes Con, I, I, I drove you guys all in the rental car, and then, and then I wake up one morning and, and see you and Justin, you know, Justin and Tony talking shit about me. And then I go, I, I, I get sad. I don't know how to respond to it. And I flee in tears. And then I drive the rental car back to the airport and fly home. And you guys are like stuck there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, he's really leaving. I mean, Gundam is one of their primary, you know, forms of defense. Like he's to me, I'm like, I, I get the instinct to flee, but then I, I, the, part of me kind of is like, well, wait, though, like as much as you're having some kind of inner turmoil or conflict over how 
the people are treating you like i don't think that justifies like taking like their one you know primary form of of defense either i mean i get why amuro is upset like he spent all that time on his little computer program and you know doing all those calculations like he's trying to do something to help everyone right and then he he's trying to think of strategies right he's like okay i don't agree with bright i'm going to use gun tank like i think that would be better but he's not thinking at it from a military point of view mm -hmm. like like bright is like i told you to do this like i didn't i didn't ask you to do this like that's an order like you need to do this so that's why i'm that's where i'm like well they're both wrong it's it's one of those things where it's like if they could both you know drop the bullshit and just talk about it they wouldn't have this problem well i think i, I well one i i guess i guess part of that is you know brights and ensign that got promoted to commanding this ship right so mm -hmm. there's that aspect to it but then there's also the aspect of like i i don't think commanding officers are are typically used to having their orders questioned yeah or or and, and even just beyond that like like they're they're probably not going to necessarily feel the need to provide an explanation for their right. order you know what i mean like 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 they, they're going to give the order and yes bright has a reason for why he went in that direction and and you see it in the middle of the fight when you're like oh even when the dops show up like the dops aren't even that big of a deal but they're caught because because gun tanks a fucking piece of shit like the the, the dops immediately put gun tank in jeopardy even even on their own even if the goofs never showed up but like once the goof showed up then then you know amaro's thought like all falls apart so it's like oh well and, and that, then all of a sudden it's not the right thing for the job so it's like at that point then then yeah then they have to do their kind of backflips to to get him into gundam and and all this other kind of stuff which you know who knows maybe that's part you know uh, you know, Bandai selling toys. It's part, you know, like like you know, creating dramatic tension and 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 drama and all this other stuff. And you know, so I mean, I yeah, you know, and and ultimately it makes for for an entertaining view. So so I'm not begrudging it, but it's it's something that I think is worth you know discussing. I, I doubt if Officer School had any like courses on how to deal with like complaining mass groups of normal citizens and whiny teenagers who you have to place your complete trust in that they will right, keep right. you alive right right well i mean so, there's also the uh the, the the fact that like amuro like you know he like is kind of connected to the gundam right now like he feels like it's his and it's kind of like you know like yeah. your dad yeah. bought you a ferrari yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, his dad is you know, well. Not not only I guess my analogy would be my. Not only does the rental car belong to my dad, but my dad invented the rental car too. So that's that's my justification for driving off of it, right? Like because I'm like, well, my dad made it, so I kind of he, he feels like he owns it in a way. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean it's not correct. I mean it's very much a, a young, you know, immature decision. I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving you credit on that, but at the same time, having been a young, immature man at, you know, some point in my life, 
I can see why he would think that. You know, it's like, no, it's my fucking Gundam. My dad made this. Fuck you guys. Yeah. No, no, no. I get that. That that makes perfect sense. And of course, we we sort of spoiled it, but just to to spell out the end, you know, later Frau Bo comes upon Amuro, who's in his civilian clothes with the suitcase, and he tells her he's decided to leave White Base because they don't like him anymore. And Amuro then launches away in Gundam in the middle of the night, interrupting Bright's beauty sleep, and Bright wakes up in his tank top yelling, Darn that Amuro into the night sky. <laughs> so that's that's basically the the end of the episode. <laughs> My, what, is he, what is he? What is he, Galvatron? Yeah. Like, Darn that Amuro. That's what I was like. I mean, what, what, that's yeah. I mean, at the at the end, he's like that Amaro, and all I could think of was Galvatron. You know, darn that Amaro. Uh, all I have on this is just to wrap up. Like, like most of this episode made movie two. So, I mean, and, and I don't I don't know if that's you know I, I don't know if that's always a good judge of quality and or my my love for a particular episode. But I did enjoy this episode a lot. I got into it. I enjoyed it. I think it had a lot of good beats and points. It had a lot of good action. And the fact that it did make the movie, you know, uh, you know, maybe illustrates that like, oh, this this was good enough to be retained into the, you know, the quote unquote movie canon, which we we kind of feel like they they go with that more than they go with the, the series at any rate. This is a fairly, you know, plot heavy, important episode. And look, yeah, I, I did recall, like I hadn't watched it in a while, but I was like, oh, yeah, most of this made it into the movie. So because, you know, they do the whole Amaro desert arc and stuff with Rob Earl. Yeah, I, I think it's like kind of important to like have these moments with Amaro because like he is a conscientious objector in some ways, but also a fierce fighter of justice and love <laughs> other times. It, it, it is a very strange dynamic with him. He's a fun character. It, it's just fun to watch him sometimes because he will be very, very emo as shit, but also like get his fucking badass on and like, you know, do his thing. It, it you know, and you know, this is, this is the point where he's, trying to figure shit out and and like does he really want to be in a war i don't know were you spying on us no i am i am i am i am i <laughs> no mirai let him go maybe it's best this way avoiding an angry and damaging confrontation i wish i could be sure of that Haro was more effective at trying to get the prisoner than Shayla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kids. Uh, yeah, the kids put in their uh, work. What do you expect from such a crack bomb disposal squad? It's very, it's very telling that Amro took the Gundam, but he didn't fucking take Haro. <laughs> <laughs> He's your best friend. Fuck you. <laughs> So, of course, next episode, Zeon's secret mind, who will survive? So that's that's going to be the, the next episode that comes up. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, 
You can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of Mobile Suit Mondays, you can direct download them all at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be streamed. We're over on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike. I don't know why they don't they don't employ, yeah, the kids with Haro and Omar with the bazooka more often. Super effective. Hey, I'm just going to steal, like, the, the most important weapon in the war, and you, you guys are cool with that? Okay, okay, see you later, bye. Looks like Team Justin is blasting off again. I sure do like saying goof a lot in this episode or goof. 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 It, it's a hard fucking word because, like, if you say goof, it sounds fucking stupid. But if you say golf, you know, it sounds more impressive. The goof. I guess I sound fucking stupid. It was, it was like, because I call it the goof. The goof. I, I call it the too. I call too. it goof too. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do too. No, I, I'm just as stupid as you, Derek. Don't feel bad. <laughs> I feel like they were like hard selling it in this episode where, you know, Marker's like, it's called a goof, sir. And Bright's like, goof, huh? A goof, huh? Like he says it twice almost, like right in, in a row. Like, yes, are you having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh... well, well, I mean, it it is one of my favorite Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I latched on to our discussion from last night now that Rombo Roll should be voiced by J.K. Simmons. Give <laughs> <laughs> me like, pictures of Amaro. He's like, he's like, like, eh, Rombo Roll, like, I've gotten a champagne for when you defeat the Gundam. And he's like, champagne? What are we, hosting the czar? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that kind of money yet. I haven't gotten that two promotion, Amon. He's a menace. <laughs> that Amaro kid is a menace. Like, after they lose, he's like, uh, Amon, like, cancel the champagne. Get me, get me pictures of Amaro. <laughs> get me pictures of the Trojan horse. Oh, well, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, more accurate, yes, correct. Is that you, Kozun? <laughs> what do you want? You're fired. <laughs> Wait, you're aboard the Trojan horse? Okay, you're rehired. <laughs> you're rehired. What do you know? I would like to say, though, you know what's really funny? Uh, and maybe I, I will make this joke again. But the uh, the whip thing that the 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 goof has, it's called a heat rod, and it's neither a rod or delivers heat. It seems to be electrical.
Weird, huh? Justin, you missed the discussion last night, but we decided that uh, Rumble Roll should be voiced by J.K. Simmons. Mm. It's like, come on, get come on, like put on the Hamon's like, you know, uh, oh, we're going to we got some champagne, darling, like champagne, like that's so expensive, like <laughs> Kozun, get me pictures of Gundam Man. I want the Gundam, there's a symbol at him. <laughs> What's the fucking drumming movie that J.K. Simmons made? Oh, Whiplash. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it up. Come on now. All right. No, 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 no. God damn it. Oh my God. That movie is called Whiplash, and the goof does have a whip. I just did a good, yeah, I just did a good J.K. Simmons impression. I just realized that, yeah. Starring J. Jonah Jameson, Reed Richards, and Supergirl. TV's Supergirl. No, I want to be good. <laughs> With Seth Green as Haro. <laughs> and, and Seth Rogen as Ryu. Violent <laughs> <laughs> <the> contact. <laughs> it's like when he does the kamikaze attack. He's like, I'm high as fuck. Like, ah! <laughs> Yo, bro, separate, man. 